Thank you for listening to the Young Baptist Podcast. We're a podcast committed to the centrality of the gospel and to encouraging believers to be captivated all over again by the beauty and glory of Christ. My name is Clay Maynard, and I am so glad you're here today. I am your host for the day. Uh, I am missing my guy, Josh Johnson, today. Um, it has been a few taxing weeks here uh, in Panama City, Florida. So we're grateful for your patience on this episode. Uh, we just came out uh, of a very awesome, but very tiring VBS week. And Josh actually came into the next week uh, and came down sick. So I uh, appreciate your prayers for him. Um, but we thank you again for your patience. Uh, hey, happy Father's Day, everyone. I know so many of you guys out there are fathers. We're grateful for you. I don't know where I'd be without my father. Uh, he taught me so much about what I know today, about hard work, about character. Uh, and most of all, uh, taught me that loving and obeying God was what life should be about. Uh, I know our listeners tend to be young, tend, sometimes tend to be parents. Never let what the world says distract you from the importance of fatherhood. Uh, your family is not a distraction from your greatest life missions, and it's not a distraction from your greatest ministry. Uh, they are your greatest ministry. So happy Father's Day to all of you guys. Hey, if you're not part of the Young Baptist Podcast small group, man, change that today. Uh, we've got all kinds of cool stuff that we give to our Young Baptist Podcast small group. It's our exclusive subscriber group. We are so grateful for you guys and the support you've given to the podcast. Uh, we give unedited episodes to that group, special episodes like Ask Me Anything, where we literally answer any question they send in. None get denied. <laughs> A few weeks ago, that meant we had to do our best impersonations, which... Oh, that was very interesting. <laughs> but uh, we also do monthly book recommendations. We do short devotionals that we send out. We even have more planned coming up. So you want to be a part of that. Uh, for only $5 a month or a one-time gift of $60 for the year, you can be a part of that group to get exclusive content and access. So you don't want to miss out on that. Another way you can support us is through our sponsor, Audible. Audible is home to thousands of uh, audiobooks, podcasts, theatrical performances, and other stuff as well. Uh, with Audible, you can listen to the best content out there while you're driving, while you're working out, while you're plunging toilets. Uh, just visit audibletrial.com slash youngbaptistpod and you'll receive a 30-day trial. That's audibletrial.com slash youngbaptistpod. Uh, I've actually been reading Parenting, speaking of Father's Day. Uh, our small group has been going through uh, that book by Paul David Tripp. It's called just called Parenting. And if you want a great book on parenting, that's the one I'd recommend. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know anyone else doing a better job right now out there applying God's word to parenting uh, than Paul Tripp. So I highly recommend you get that book. So head over to Audible, use our discount, and get started today. Before I jump into today's content, uh, last episode, we talked about the challenges of ministry, of bivocational ministry, of, of being in full-time ministry, of being a regular church lay person who serving God and volunteering. We talked a lot about that and we put it out there. Hey, if you know someone or, or you are someone who'd like us to pray for you, please let us know. We'd like to do that. And so what I thought would be cool is if uh, I prayed for someone here on the air, we had somebody reach out to us uh, who's been a faithful listener. It's Pastor Timothy Dyson. Um, he's been with us. I mean, I remember talking to him when we were putting out our first episodes. So he's, thank you so much for listening faithfully to us. And he, what he told us this time is that there's been some new people join their church and are growing and are doing well, and they just want to do a great job leading them and ministering to them. 
as they uh, grow in the Lord. And I would love to pray for you guys. So uh, let's do that now. Father in heaven, uh, we love you and thank you for this great news um, from Pastor Timothy Dyson's church. Uh, these folks that have been coming, they've been growing in their faith and uh, just trying to serve and, 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 and just hungry. Lord, I pray for that staff there. I pray for that local church. I pray that you would just show yourself mighty in their life, or that they would be able to grow one with another, that they would be able to effectively disciple uh, this new, these new members uh, and bring them even more into a mature Christian life so that they can honor you and serve you and worship you. Lord, that their lives and, and their growth in that church would just be a great testimony to the goodness of God. Lord, I pray that you'd bring other people to their church as well that others would join, that more people would come to hear the gospel of Christ and be saved. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, that's awesome. I love to hear about uh, people joining churches. I know how exciting that is to have new people coming in, which is actually a great segue to what I want to talk to you guys about today. Uh, it's something that's near and dear to my heart, and it has to do with the church. So what I want to do is first, I want to make a statement of fact, and then I want to explain what I mean and why I believe it's true and why it matters. Okay, here we go. Fact, you've never been to church. That's right. You heard me. You've never been to church. Uh, it, when you're sick, you don't miss church. When you're well, you don't attend church. You don't drive to the church. You don't drive away from the church because you left the building that your church is in. None of those things are the church. Now, some of you already know where I'm going, and some of you are as confused as ever, but I hope to clear this up quickly. So first, let me go to the scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 18 says it this way. It says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. This is a description of what the church is supposed to be like. He's saying Christ is just like a body, that there are many members, but one body. And this is a reference to the church, a group of believers who are each a member of one body. This is not the only metaphor in scripture for the church. You see the body metaphor both here where we've just read and in Romans chapter 12. But there are others. You see it referred, the church referred to as the bride of Christ in Ephesians 5 uh, and in Revelations 19. You see it referred to as a flock of sheep that need to be shepherded. Uh, you find that in Acts chapter 20. You find that in 1 Peter chapter 5. You also see it, uh, a metaphor of the family into which we've been adopted, right? Galatians chapter 4 talks about this. And it even talks about how we're supposed to relate to one another as a family, as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's uh, Matthew chapter 12 and 1 John chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 5. Now, there is some controversy when you talk about the church because in Scripture, the church is clearly local. 
Uh, most of the references in scripture talking about the church are referring to a body of believers and a specific local expression. But I believe there's also a global church, one that, that is also one body. This is the bride of Christ that's referred to in scripture, right? Jesus doesn't have many brides. He has one. Uh, and there are several references uh, that talk about the church as a whole as entirely one, all part of the body of Christ. Uh, in that way, not only do local churches need to realize that they need the other people in their church because they're members of the same body, but we as a church need and benefit from other churches, other believers who also serve faithfully and follow Christ. Uh, and that's been, that's been the case ever since the New Testament. There was not just one group of believers. There were, there were multiple who loved and served one another and, and shared resources and benefited one another. We can't do without our brothers and sisters in Christ both in the local church and in the body of Christ around the world. Um, so to be to be 100% clear, I believe in both the local church and the global church as talked about in scripture. Uh, there's a lot to say about that, but just take this one verse as an example of the global church. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, uh, and I say unto also unto thee thou, that thou art Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Uh, that's not your local church he's talking about, right? That's the entire church of Jesus Christ around the world right? Your church, your local church might close tomorrow, but Jesus has not failed because his kingdom marches on, right? Uh, but back to the point, um, why would I make the statement before you've never been to church, right? Why would I say that? And that's because according to scripture, the church is something we are, a body we belong to. It's not something we go to. It's not something we attend on a certain day of the week. Those are gatherings of the church, but they're not the church. The church is you. And I, when I say you, I mean plural you. Scripture repeatedly says this, that you are the church. Some uh, listeners may point to the uh, Old Testament example uh, of the temple, right? As a sort of a corollary to the modern church building where true Christians go to gather with other believers. And look, make no mistake, I'm not saying that you shouldn't feel any need to attend church services of your local church, right? Gatherings of believers. In fact, if you're not faithful to gather with a local church, then according to the Bible, you're not a committed Christian. And I know that that's controversial to say today, but it happens to be the truth from Scripture. If he or she is able, a committed Christian will gather with a local body of believers for the work of the local New Testament church. And I know there's exceptions to that, right? With For people with real medical issues or dealing with relational issues or serious trauma, but the, the exceptions don't disprove the rule. And as for that Old Testament example, the temple, right? That many would point to, 1 Corinthians 3 specifically tells us this, verse 16 and 17, it says, know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. See, before it dwelt in the temple, the presence of God was in the temple. Now you're the temple. It says in verse 17, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. That temple is not a building. That temple is the body of Christ. It's the many members that make up the body of Christ. Here, he's saying that if you defile the temple, right, that, that there'll be the judgment of God on you. That's not talking about walking through your local sanctuary with muddy boots on, right? This is a reference in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you look at the context, 
to believers who are living in an immoral and unholy way. They're defiling the temple of God, and that's a reference to them. They're, they are the temple of God. So that temple here talked about is the body of Christ. The Old Testament temple ceased to exist. That veil that kept us separated from God has been torn in two, and now we have access to God through Christ. So that, that, that old school way of doing it has changed forever. Now, some of you are listening and you've heard this phrase, you don't go to church, you are the church. That is a factual statement. And as many rounds as that meme will make on Facebook or Instagram, I am afraid that we have not allowed the fact to sink into the psyche of the American church. And if I can say it this way, I think this issue damages the way we conduct ourselves in the body of Christ. So here's the problem. The problem is we see the church as a place, a time, and an event. We've reduced the picture of the church in our minds to a 501c3 organization and its programs. And because of this, because of the way we talk about the church, and by the way, it's a way that the scripture quite literally never talks about the church. So maybe you're sitting there thinking, maybe you're, are you just overstating this, right? Is this, are we just talking about a semantical difference? I don't believe so. Because the way I see American Christians treating their Christianity is often very consistent with this messed up view of what the church is. I believe language matters. How we talk about things shapes how we think about things. And for a really long time in this country, we've brought new believers in and talked about the church in a way that shapes their view of it. I've even started welcoming folks to our church instead of saying, welcome to Fellowship Baptist Church. Instead, I now say, welcome Fellowship Baptist Church. It is the people that are the church, not the building, not the time, not the place, and not an event. So I've made my case to you. Maybe you agree, maybe you don't, but here's what I believe we're going to get wrong when this happens. When we get this wrong in our minds, I think, I think there's some other things that start going wrong. First, we reduce our Christianity to a service time. We reduce our Christianity to a service time. When we get this wrong, we live as if we walked out of the church after our service on Sunday back into normal life. And God is not as interested in that as he is on Sunday morning. This is a false view. Scripture tells us anything your hands find to do, do it to the glory of God. Friends, worship is not completed by singing on Sunday morning. Sunday's sermon is not all there is of discipleship. <laughs> Outreach doesn't just occur on Tuesday nights or Saturday mornings. Training your children to love and follow Christ isn't the youth pastor's job on Wednesday nights. Devotion to Christ isn't evidenced by Sunday school attendance. And, and I'm just telling you, if we want our Christianity, if we want it to be anything more than dead, dry religion, it has got to go further than Sunday morning. I'm telling you, when, you, when you're in that hospital room and you're praying for your loved ones and your friends in your church, that's the church at work. When you're telling your coworker on lunch break what Jesus has done for you, that's the church at work. When you take food to that elderly person who's struggling with their health, that's the church at work. 
when a group of believers are eating together and there's families at somebody's home and they're eating and, and just having a good time together. And all of a sudden they're singing about the love and mercy of God and they're encouraging one another and following Christ and loving one another. That's the church at work. We have to stop this impoverished view of the church that just turns it into a quick Sunday meeting before we get back to our Monday through Saturday materialistic self-centered lives. Maybe to be interrupted by, by a Wednesday night meeting. So the first thing that goes wrong when we have this wrong view of the church is we reduce the Christi our Christian life and our church life and our discipleship to a service time. The second thing that goes wrong is we'll start to treat those services of the church, the one when, when we are together, when we're quote unquote having church, we start to treat those like it's some sort of spiritual recital. Uh, have you ever been in a church, have you ever felt like you were somewhere and your entire performance of being there was being judged? <laughs> I've been to a lot of recitals. I used to play in a bunch of recitals when I was younger and, and I was learning uh, musical instruments. Um, I, you did. I mean, it was absolute silence. They were fixated on your performance, right? Uh, you dressed up a certain way. There was decorum. And when we get, when we get this twisted, not only do we isolate our Christianity to Sunday morning, but because we've done that, we start to treat those services like they're a spiritual recital. I've, I know that I've been at church services where I felt this way, right? You didn't show up early like so-and-so did. Your kids aren't dressed very nicely today. Your shoes are old and you forgot to polish them. Maybe you didn't have the time to curl your hair this morning. Uh, you had to throw away that nice dress because it had a hole in it. And so you wore something more casual because times are tight. You don't feel very spiritual and <laughs> you had to ask God to help you to stay engaged in the service. It's been a long week. And what you get from others when that happens isn't encouragement. It isn't love. It isn't prayer. It isn't what can I do for you? In fact, maybe you're scared to even admit the truth about how you're struggling. And all you feel you're getting for it is judgment. You want to know why that attitude happens in churches? Because if that's you and you're the one down like that, then in that church, you're ruining church for everyone else. You're not performing. <laughs> Today is about looking good, smelling nice, and appearing spiritual. It's about religion and all the things that you do well. And since you're not really measuring up, you're offending me at church. This attitude is so damaging because it turns the gatherings of the church into a spiritual recital, right? The, the parking lot is now the spiritual red carpet. The aisles of the, sanctuary, of the sanctuary are the catwalk of religion. And your church has turned into a museum for visitors and guests to be impressed by not a triage for hurting and sinful people who need Christ. You want to know why I think some, some, some churches, the music is so insanely critiqued and why styles and fashions and clothing items are being cataloged and who's who and where they sit and all that junk matters. The reason that happens is because to those people, church happens on Sunday morning and you had better be ready for the performance. Church services are a recital. This is where God sees me, and you better look your best.
I'm reminded by a song that uh, Matthew West sings. It's called Truth Be Told. In it, there's a lyric that says, uh, there's a sign on the door that says, come as you are, but I doubt it. That song goes on to say, didn't you say church should be more like a hospital, a safe place for the sinner, the scarred, and the prodigal, like me? Truth be told, the truth is rarely told. I don't know why it's so hard to admit it when being honest is the only way to fix it. There is no failure, no fault. There is no sin. You don't already know. So let the truth be told. That should be our heart. When we are at assembly and gathering of our local churches. But you know, the key to to being able to do this, the key to being being able to be honest, to being able to be real, is has got to be a change of attitude in our church. That when we do see somebody struggling, when we do see someone being honest, we don't look down on them for that. We relate to them. We become an extension of the grace of God to those people and let them know that whatever sin they're dealing with, there's forgiveness for it. Whatever challenge they're facing, God's word has the answers for it. If you can't be honest at church, where exactly are you supposed to get help from? The bridge to that song I was telling you about, called Truth Be Told, the bridge to it is, is, is the key. It says, can I really stand here unashamed knowing that your love for me won't change? God, if that's really true, then let the truth be told. See, repentance can't happen where there's not honesty. And honesty is not going to happen where honesty is shunned. You know, I know that sometimes you just don't feel like you can be real when you're at a church service, but you should be able to. Those should be the people who are the most equipped to serve you and love you and help you. If you can't do it there, where? Where? I think it's time we stop the facade at at our church services of perfect Christianity. I think the world might have an easier time coming to Jesus if they realized we're just like them. We're broken people who need Jesus. And that's why it matters how we view the church. That's why it matters what we think we're doing on a Sunday morning. It matters how we view what the church actually is. So let's get this idea of church right in our heads. Let's create environments where the visitors aren't impressed with us. No. Instead, let's create a culture that's amazed by God's grace. Well, Josh isn't here, so I'll just say it. There it is. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear your thoughts on today's topic. Also, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and review wherever you consume the content. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Young Baptist Pod. Check out our website, theyoungbaptistpodcast.com for more resource recommendations, our merch store, and to join our YBP community.